We've been on a series the last month on holiness, the most holy place. And um, if you haven't listened to any of the messages in this series, please go back. We have a podcast that's on all platforms, um, iTunes, Google Play. There's a podcast website. You can go back and listen to them. Um, all of our messages are on our YouTube channel as well. So you can go onto YouTube, type in Lifeway uh, Church AG, and you'll be directed to our YouTube channel, and then Facebook as well. All of our lives are archived on our Facebook page. So please go back. If you missed any of them, this is our fourth message in our holiness series. If you missed any of these messages, please go back and listen to them because they've all been uh, just so amazing. And just the Holy Spirit is bringing us into a deeper understanding of true holiness. And last week, so we kind, we're kind of doing a two-part message in this series uh, last week, we talked about sanctification, and that's a very big kind of Christianese word, sanctification. What does that really mean? What does it look like? Um, and so we kind of dove in last Sunday and began the conversation on what is sanctification? What does it mean to be sanctified? And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of go back and review some of what we talked about last Sunday and go a little deeper into it. And then Leslie's going to follow up. Uh, but one of the kind of key scripture passages that we've been using for this series is, oh yeah, by the way, the title of our message today is Eagle Up. Where's Sean? Sean, where you at? There we go. If you're going to say it, that's how it needs to be said. Okay. Well, one more time, Sean. Do it again. There we go. Eagle up. And that kind of came out of last Sunday morning's message. So if you didn't get to listen, go on Facebook or YouTube and you'll be able to listen to kind of more of what that means. We're going to go back and talk about it again. Uh, one of our key scripture passages, 1 Corinthians 1-2, it's on the screen. This is out of the New Living Translation. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth. And he says, I'm writing to God's church. Lifeway, you are God's church. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth, to you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. He made you holy. It's a finished work accomplished by Jesus. You have been made holy. You are a holy nation, a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Sanctification, talked about this last Sunday. What in the world does that big word mean? What is it, four syllables? Sanctification, five syllables. That's hard for me. That's a lot of syllables in one word. Sanctification simply means this, set apart, or the result of being made holy. It's not a process. It's not a lifelong process of becoming holier and holier and eventually, hopefully, attaining holiness in Christ Jesus. That's not what sanctification is. It's the result of being made holy. The church, big C church, the church as a whole, the worldwide church, Jesus died to make the church holy. 
Jesus died to make LifeWay Church and First Baptist and New Point and Legacy and the Presbyterian Church and the Brethren Church and First United Methodist, all of our churches, holy in Jesus' name. And guess what? We all know the church is not a building. The church is a company of men and women. You, individually, Jesus died so that you could be made holy and righteous and sanctified. We are his holy nation, 1 Peter 2, 9. Chosen people, sanctified in Christ. So, last Sunday, we talked about how the New Testament uses two Greek words for our English word sanctification. Now, keep tracking with me here. I don't want to lose you because this is so important, so vital. This is why studying scripture is so important because so much can be lost in translation. And it's important to study different translations of scripture. It's important to uh, read, you know, the, the footnotes and commentaries and concordance, yeah, to, to dive into word studies and what it really truly is saying. And there are two Greek words for our one word, sanctification. So the first, we call it perfect sanctification, or the Greek word is agiazo. Everyone say agiazo. Now, the next time you're filling out a job application, you can check that box. It says bilingual because you now speak Greek. <laughs> Congratulations. Agiazo. So, perfect sanctification. Now, now, this is the one we've been talking about a lot throughout this series. This is what it means. It means to separate from profane things and dedicate to God or to purify by expiation. That's a big word for atonement. Free from guilt of sin to purify internally, renewing of the soul. Okay, so agiazo, perfect sanctification, that big definition there you just read, this happens immediately at the moment of conversion. When you say, Jesus, I declare that you are the Lord of my life and I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life. I want to live for you forever. And immediately you are transformed. You step from darkness into the kingdom of light. You are redeemed and you are fully sanctified. Agiazo. You have been purified, free from the guilt of sin. Your soul has been renewed. Your mind has been transformed. That is perfect sanctification. Immediately at the moment of conversion. We said this. It is not a lifelong process of becoming more and more holy. I used this example last week. When a baby is born, does that baby become more human and more human the longer it lives? No. It is fully equipped at the moment of birth with everything it needs biologically to grow, to mature. It does not become more and more human. It is fully human. The same happens when you are born again. It's why you're born again. You are born into righteousness into holiness, you are cleansed, you are purified immediately. That, we talk about miracles, signs, and wonders, church, that is the greatest miracle that you will ever experience, is salvation. Perfect sanctification. We have been made holy by Jesus Christ and united with him in one spirit. Who are we in Christ? Come on, tell me, who are we in Christ? There's a lot, there's not a wrong answer here. There's a lot of them. Sons and daughters. Who else? 
Righteousness. We are the righteousness of Christ. Yes. What else? Recreated. What else? What? The bride. What else? We are love. Priests. What else? Co-heirs with Christ. Seated in heavenly places. What else? Leslie said it earlier. What are we in the kingdom? We are kings in the kingdom. I think you hit all that I had. Oh, brothers and sisters of Christ. You notice in the Gospels, we said this in a message a while ago, but Jesus never refers to his disciples as brothers until after the resurrection. Then they are his brothers. Okay, there's one that we haven't hit yet. Anybody want to take a last guess? We are holy, yes. Set free from the power of sin. What, what is... If we are holy, what's another word that we are that means holy? Sanctified to somebody? Okay, so when Leslie and I, we were in college together, and the president of our university, every time he would stand up on stage, we had chapel every day. So every time he would get up on stage, it was 10 o'clock in the morning, he would greet all of us by saying, good morning, saints. And I thought, that is so weird. Why is he calling us saints? Well, come to find out, the man with the PhD actually knew what he was talking about. <laughs> Do you know that you are called saints over 60 times in the New Testament? So, all right, Kim, you can now refer to Chuck as Saint Chuck. <laughs> He's not gonna hold my breath. Uh. All right, just to prove I'm not making this stuff up. 1 Corinthians 1, 2, we already looked at it. Now we're going to look at it in the ESV, the English Standard, Trans, or English Standard Version. It's on the screens. Those, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. You have been called to be saints. With who? All those in every place who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Good morning, saints. So check this out. Saints being a translation of the Greek word hagioi. Agioi. H is silent. Doesn't that word kind of look familiar to a word we've already said today? Agiazo. Agioi. It means Holy. The Greek word for saint is also used for sanctification. Saints have to be sanctified. You can't be a saint if you haven't been sanctified. This is what this word means, agioi, holy. It means most holy thing, pure, morally blameless, holy one, sacred. That is who you are in Christ, church. You are a most holy thing. You are pure, morally blameless, a holy one, sacred. That is how the King of kings and Lord of lords sees you every time he looks at you. You're holy. You're righteous because of Jesus, his blood. Now, there are not um, different levels here of being a saint, 
Remember, this is not a process. Um, think of it like this. If your spouse was faithful to you 99% of the year, would you be okay with that? No. No. It's all or nothing. You're either righteous or you are unrighteous. There aren't differing degrees of righteousness. There's not different levels of sainthood. You are completely 100% a saint, sanctified. This is who you are in Christ. Stop trying to purge your sinful nature. Jesus already did it for you. In Christ, you no longer have a sinful nature. We've said this so many times. You are no longer a sinner. That title no longer defines you. It doesn't belong in your vocabulary. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are a saint. You're sanctified. Hebrews 10.14. I love this verse. I don't think we've looked at this one yet. For by one offering, Jesus... He perfected for all time those who are sanctified. How many times do you hear someone say, or maybe you've said about yourself, I'm not perfect. Not according to Hebrews. You are. He perfected for all time those who are sanctified. You are perfect in Jesus Christ. You are flawless You are the beloved. So do we all kind of understand perfect sanctification? Does it make sense to you? I hope so. If not, you can go back and listen again. Um, Now there's another Greek word that also means sanctification. And this is why it's important to study because if we mix up these definitions, we could go our entire lives thinking the scripture says one thing when actually it means a completely different thing. So, Perfect sanctification, we talked about it. Now there is what is called practical sanctification, agiosmos. Still sanctification, but another Greek word with a different definition. Agiosmos is the living out aspect of our nature. It's the action to the already inward transformation. You can't have agiosmos without agiazo. You can't live sanctified without being sanctified, right? So here's a better kind of definition for this. You are sanctified perfectly on the inside, agiazo, so that you can live sanctified on the outside, agiosmos. It's learning all kinds of Greek today. This is great. All right, let's look at a couple scriptures here where it's using agiosmos, the living out of our sanctification, Romans 6, 19, for just as you presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, resulting in further lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, resulting in sanctification. Agiosmos, living it out. Why is this important? Well, if we switch these definitions in this verse, what happens? Righteousness resulting in sanctification, the perfected nature that we have in Jesus immediately at conversion. So if we read this wrong, we're going to spend our entire lives trying to strive for something that's already been done. Righteousness leads to righteousness, holiness. Like, so I I have to live my whole life doing 
something trying to attain to this level of holiness? No. That's not what Paul is saying here in Romans. He says, righteousness, your new nature in Christ, leads to living out righteousness. Because you've been transformed, right, actions speak louder than words, right? Let your actions reflect what's happening on the inside. Does that make sense? That's why it's so important to understand because if not, now you're bound to a life of works and striving and going back to the law because you're trying to make it happen on the inside when Jesus is the only one who can. And it's exhausting. Right, Wes? Man, me and him, we talk about this all the time. Oh, it's so liberating. Okay, let's look at another verse. Romans 6.22, so it's just a few verses later. But now that you have been set free from sin, you read that again? Now that you have been what? Set free from sin. Sin is no longer your master. You've been set free from the power and the penalty of sin. You do not have to obey its desires. It no longer dictates anything to you anymore. It is dead in the grave. Now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. Sanctification, the living it out. The fruit that we get as we surrender everything to Jesus, we live it out. Fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit. It's the display of what the Holy Spirit is doing on the inside. I heard it said this week, Chris Vallotton said, stop praying for patience. Pray for love because love is patient. Isn't that good? That's free. We have been perfectly sanctified when we receive Christ. Becoming new creations is not a process, right, Kyle? Amen. (laughs) Brand new. New creations, it's not a process. It's immediate transformation in Jesus. It's the finished work. You are holy because he is holy. As he is, so are you. However, there is the process of growing in intimacy, maturity, and understanding. You're not growing in holiness. You are holy. There's not different levels. We already talked about that. But you can grow in your understanding because now you have the mind of Christ. And you can grow in maturity. You can grow in um, understanding. And this helps you live out your sanctification. It's just like the baby. Go back to the baby. He's fully equipped. You, the moment you say, Jesus, yes, you are fully equipped, the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside of you. But there's still the process of discipleship and learning how to live out what's happened on the inside of me. That is agiasmos, practical sanctification. I read this in our our studies in the NIV Bible Dictionary. Listen to this. It's on the screens. This is awesome. The ethical nature of holiness grows clearer as revelation unfolds. That's what we just said, understanding, right? Until the holiness of God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, of the church as a body and of individual members of that body fills the New Testament horizon. 
the nature of holiness grows clearer as revelation unfolds until the holiness of God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and the entire church fills the New Testament horizon. Remember we said, this comes, this living out your sanctification, Leslie's going to talk about this, it's birthed out of intimacy and rest, not out of striving. Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Living it out, it's, it's, it's not a drag, it's not a daily, oh my goodness, I have to try to be better, I have to try to do better, I have to try to look better, I gotta try to speak better, I gotta try to think better. No, he's the transformation. And it happens in intimacy, it happens in daily digging into the word, in prayer, spending time with the Father, and the Holy Spirit does the work in you. Those sinful desires, they begin to fall off. You become a completely different person. You start to think differently, see people differently, speak differently. Like, whoa, where did that come from? Or people around you, like Kyle, dude, you sound different the last couple weeks. What's going on? Right? Art, you're wearing an Ohio State shirt, man. What's going on with you? <laughs> Jesus can only do so much, right? Art? Yeah. But living out our sanctification, it's not something we strive for. It's something the Holy Spirit empowers you to display, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Travis. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. It's not earning, it's receiving. Come on. It's not earning, it's receiving. I'll say it one more time. All right, it's not earning, it's receiving. It is not about what we do. It's not about what we say. It's not about how we behave so perfectly and so good to earn the salvation of Jesus Christ. We are clothed in righteousness. It is about what he did. It's about what he says. And it's about what he gave us and gives us on a daily basis. So I'm just going to drive it home. Are you ready? Buckle up. Okay. That was amazing. Thank you. You're welcome. That was amazing. I'm sitting there like, wow, wow, I am fluent in Greek now, too. This is good stuff. Agiazo, agiasmos, agio, agioi. I don't see, we're not probably saying it right. It is so beautiful to understand and to learn and to grow in Revelation. And that is what the Holy Spirit does when you're walking with him and you're talking with him. He brings revelation of who you are because of who he is. So, so much unpacking of thought processes of religion happening in this message series. Okay? Unpack it, leave it behind. We are called to grow in maturity, discipline, character, understanding, intimacy, vigilance, and truth, Mark Greenwood. And I was thinking about the baby. When the baby is born and the baby is fully human, how does the baby grow in a healthy way? Being in intimacy with its mom and its dad. Right? It's, it's creators, which we know who the real creator is, but you know how that happens. I'm not going to explain it to you. If you need more information, you can talk to Travis after the service. But when a baby is made, 
<laughs> it, you can't just deliver the baby and leave it. He didn't just create you and leave you. He says, I want to walk with you. When he, when he created Adam and Eve, he wanted to be with them in the garden. And out of intimacy, they began to walk in their identity and their knowledge of him and their knowledge of what he created them for, to rule over and subdue the earth. It's so beautiful. The key to walking in our identity is knowing our starting point. Once you've given your life to Christ, your starting point is not a sinner anymore. Glory, we've heard this over and over again today. I think the Lord's trying to say something. Our starting point is new creation. Saint, righteous, holy, blameless, pure, Christ-like. Surrendering at the cross, walking out of the tomb into resurrection life, and knowing you've been clothed in his glory. That's your story. As we grow in intimacy with the Trinity, we begin to see, hear, and know things are changing on the inside. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to run through a couple of passages. Verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You need something? You need anything? His divine power has given us all things. Through the knowledge of me, through the knowledge of pastors, through the knowledge of the church and, and going to church, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowing of him, okay? Hmm. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desires. Having escaped, once again, where is the sinful desires? Gone, 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 gone. That means when something comes, when anger starts to come in me, I don't have to give in to anger. I can say, no, Jesus, I need your love right now. I take captive that thought. Come on. I have the mind of Christ. It's walking it out. It's not passive. You don't just come to church and get, get happy and then go home and do whatever you want all week long. It's walking out the love of Jesus being partakers in his divine nature. He said you have everything you need for life and godliness. Does God want death in your life? Does God want sickness in your life? Does God want, now trials and pain happen, but out of those trials and pain, if you don't tuck yourself into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the enemy will try to rob you back. But when you go to him and you say, you are my source, then you can face anything. I like you today. <laughs> I like you every day, but man, you're just talking. I love it. This is who we are, but knowing our identity and knowing I'm, I'm a daughter, I'm a son, knowing it isn't enough. Growing in our identity happens when we know and become partakers of Jesus' nature. I will grow up in who I am, the beautiful daughter that he has created me to be, when I partake in the son. When I understand his nature, when I pay attention to his ways, then I will become fully who he created me to be. Amen? 
Go on to verse 5 with me. For this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, come on, when you're in Christ, godliness increases in you. It's not something you have to work for or strive for. When you spend time with him, his presence, his love, his glory increases naturally in you. It's a natural result of partaking of the divine nature. You increase. Intimacy, identity, increase. Woohoo! That's exciting to me because it's not something I have to like earn. It's free. Receive. Woo. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are ever increasing, growing and maturing. I like the message version. It says, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience. How many of you love passionate patience? Yes. Reverent wonder, warm friendliness, and generous love. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our master Jesus. How do I grow in godliness? How do I grow in beautiful, passionate patience, in love, experiencing Jesus on a daily basis? Come on. Jesus said it to his disciples when he was calling them. He said, follow me. I'm taking this from a session we were at in Synergy yesterday. He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Work really hard. Memorize, memorize, memorize. Know all the theology. Have a perfect grasp on everything before you can do anything. Come on. That's not what he said. He said, follow me. Being a Christian, we need to know this. Being a Christian, which Christian means little Christs, being a Christian means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Not a follower of Stephen Furtick, not a follower of Leslie and Travis, not a follower of Bethel, not a follower of any other famous person, not a follower of anything but him. And I love this part. And as this was explained yesterday, I'm like, I'm using that. He said we could, but I'm using that. And it says, I will make you. Follow me, I will make you. Come on. I will make you. When you follow Jesus, when you walk as he walked, when you learn his ways, his rhythms, his peace, his grace, his love, when you follow him, he develops in you what he has put in you from the beginning. And see, he was talking to men who were fishermen. So he's speaking to men on their gifting. Their gifting and their work was fishing. He put a specific gifting and passion inside of you that through you following him, he will make you glorious in what he has put inside of you, calling out your destiny. And then what will happen? The natural result, you will accomplish his mission. 
His mission is to be fishers of men, to win people for the kingdom. Follow me, I will make you. That means the pressure's off. I don't have to figure out where to go tomorrow. I can just follow Jesus. Well, Leslie, I can't see him. Maybe I, I've never heard his voice before. Well, well and, and I, I believe it's Paul, he says, there's such great faith in those who have never seen him. When we get to heaven, Moses will be like, what was it like? We're like, what was it like to part the Red Sea? And he's like, what was it like to have the Spirit of God living inside of you? Because the Holy Spirit is in you. So when you say, I'm, Father, I'm here. I am available. I want to hear from you today. When you open the living book, the Word of God, he speaks. That's intimacy. This, Jesus is the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And when we open this, and when we go to prayer, and when we walk with him, and we're in the shower singing our hearts out and worshiping him, and we're driving down the road praying in the spirit, that's intimacy. And out of that overflow, whether you have time for three hours in the morning or you just have 10 minutes, talk to him. Tune your ear. He will speak. I promise you. He promises it, so I can promise you that. He will make you. He will make you. First Peter 9 and 10, for whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted, that he is blind and having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. In the Passion Translation, it says he forgot his innocence. Don't forget where you stand. The enemy wants you to forget who you are and go back to that sinful nature. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget your innocence. It's paid for. You are forgiven. Oh, I love that so much. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. That's, that's verse 10. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Remember who you are. Remind yourself daily, I have the mind of Christ. I am renewed. I am free. I am healed. I am whole. Call to remembrance the cross and the victory of the grave. Come on, call to remembrance that Jesus said that same power that raised him up out of the grave lives alive and thriving in you. Call to remembrance. Sean? Get off the ground. Lift your head. Eat that meat. Woohoo! That was not, you know, a push for not being a vegetarian, okay? <laughs> Let's jump to verse 12 and 13 as we wrap it up. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have, I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir up by way of reminder. That's what we're doing today. You may already know this. You may already be confident in this, but I want to stir it up in you one more time. Remember who you are. Remember because who you are is him. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. You stand. So last week we read a story about Will the chicken turned eagle. How many of you heard that story? 
Okay, if you, if you don't know about it, we'll, we'll tell you about it. But basically the story is this chicken read a letter. The letter said he could become an eagle, so he believed it. He became an eagle, but he stayed in the cage. And another eagle flew by and said, hey, you're an eagle. Get out of the cage. Flap those wings. Okay, so we went home Sunday afternoon. That's a cool story, man. It's, it just, eagle up, man. It just, it took to our hearts. We are to soar on wings like eagles. We're to rise and not faint. Amen? Hallelujah. We had clouds right above Travis's head, shaped like an eagle soaring last Sunday. The Lord works in miracles, signs, and wonders. Keep your eyes open to his glory. Amen? We're not being weird. He loves to show us in crazy, cool ways his love for us. And this is how he sees you, church. Jen tagged us in an article. The article is titled, Time for the Eagles to Leave the Turkey Yard. This article was written last Sunday. It's dated March 14th, 2021. I don't know Mario Murillo personally, but he's a well-known prophet, and the Lord spoke to him last Sunday to write this down. And I want you to hear it. I want you to receive it. I want you to identify who you are. Okay? You ready? Eagle up. Eagle up. Yeah. It is clear that as the madness spreads and the church just wrings its hands, it is time for the eagles to leave the turkey yard. You know who you are. You who are an eagle. There's a fire inside of you that you can't put out. Come on. You are ruined for church as usual incorporated. For too long, you've been told to be a good little birdie, don't ruffle any feathers, but just can't stomach the stale kernels they toss to you anymore. You must have fresh meat. Come on. All around you, the turkeys peck at the ground. But all you can see are the clouds and the sky where you know you belong. You long to be home where the glory is. Your place is alongside the heroes of faith that changed the course of nations. Survival mode teaching sickens you. Come on. The idea that tepid happiness is the goal enrages you. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Life to the fullest. Woo. I like that. You made the mistake of looking at old YouTube videos of Oral Roberts and Catherine Coleman and Smith Wigglesworth. You jumped up and screamed, but where are the miracles today? You made the mistake of listening to old preaching tapes where you heard men and women preaching holy fire. They didn't do monologues. They didn't stand up, do stand-up comedy. They pulled the pen out of a Bible verse and flung it like a grenade to explode in the soul of their audience. You heard people sobbing at the altars. You heard them linger until something real and lasting transformed them. Then something really painful happened to you. You looked at your generation. You saw the national cancer of wickedness. You saw the insane brainwashing. You saw the limp-wristed tactics of the church. You became like David as he stared at the paralyzed army of Israel cowering before the defiant Goliath. You cried, why doesn't somebody do something? I can say I've said that in the last year. So now that you realize that the somebody is you, come on, it is is too late for you. 
The die is cast. You've gone too far to turn back. You you now know too much. You feel like you should leave before you hurt someone. You remember the verse, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Prayer is your escape from the prison yard of compromise and mediocrity. We are not talking about the gobble gobble prayers you heard in the yard. We're talking about falling before God and waiting upon him until you come forth as pure gold, intimacy, identity, increase. What are we talking about? We are talking about prayer that can't res- heaven can't resist and hell can't stand. Come on, somebody. The kind of prayer that breaks the grip of ancient demonic strongholds in Jesus' name. Prayer that causes students to begin to weep on campus even though they do not know why. Prayer that fills people with the Holy Spirit. Prayer that removes fear and installs unshakable courage to tell a generation the genuine good news, the mighty gospel, which is the unapologetic, undeniable, unstoppable power of God. Yes! Woo! It's good news. Eagles dare while turkeys stare. Eagles are born out of prayer. They spring forth from the hand of God, fully convinced of their destiny and their goal. Let mistaken millennials protest against the AR-15. You take hold of John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. That is your battle cry. You don't want out. You know the Lord Jesus will keep you from the evil one. You are ready to soar into any nest of evil and destroy the works of the devil. For where eagles gather, power is present. Where eagles gather, the deep purposes of Almighty God are revealed. (laughs) Where eagles gather, there's no self-pity, no encounter sessions, and no hiding in your safe space. Blow up those boxes in Jesus' name. When turkeys are transformed into eagles, they are equipped. They are ignited. They are fitted for war. Eagles must have a challenge. They yearn for a cause that will summon up all of their strength, talent, and time. They want something they can easily imagine doing for the rest of their lives. It's time for you to fly out of the turkey yard and never look back. Never look back. Never look back. Sean? Woo, church. Woo, church. Woo, church. He's calling you to soar. He's calling you to soar. You want to know how to fight the battles that, were, that are raging around us? You get on your knees. You get on your knees in his presence. He's calling you to soar. When you worship him, when you praise, when you fight in that manner, you move mountains. <sighs> praise God. You are holy. You are saints. Praise God. Praise God. Soaring. Soaring, soaring. Father God, right now I ask that you would renew our minds, 
that any lies in our minds that tell us otherwise would be removed in Jesus' name. Remove any lies and untruths. Father God, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice. We need to hear your voice. We are desperate to hear your plans, God. We want to move in your heart. We want to move in your passion. We want to move in your fire. We want to see this valley come to know you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And I believe you've called an army of eagles, a soaring group of saints to say, today this valley is covered by the presence and power of Almighty God. This group of eagles that are soaring in your presence, that know who they are because of Jesus Christ, this group will see mountains tremble. This group will see the, the lost found, the broken set free, the, the, the blind eyes open, the deaf ears open, the dead will be raised. Come on. Demons will flee in Jesus' name.